Have you guys ever expected an amazing gift? Because isn't Christmas season about expecting something great? I mean, it's what the Christmas season is about. It's about Jesus coming to earth, this expectation, this excitement. But have you ever received a gift and it's blown your expectation out of the water? I mean, for better or worse. Like there's been those ants. Everybody's got that ant, right? That you're like, yes, I got a present. Oh, a sweater with another animal on it. And I lived in the 90s. That wasn't cool. Now you could pull it off and be super cool. But now, then it was like, I have a deer. It's not cool to be 13 and have a deer on your shirt, mom. No, you have to wear it to honor her. Honor her by getting beat up. It's cool. It's cool. Right? Like, we've all had that. We've all had those moments where we have, the, we're like, yes, this box is huge. And then you open it up and it's another gift and it's like this big. Right? Anyone have a dad like that? No, just me? Okay, cool. Um, or you've had this moment where you're like, you're expecting a gift, but it's, you're like, oh, it's so nice that you got me a gift. Oh, and, then they, and then you open it and you're like, how did you know that I wanted that? I remember one Christmas um, before we had kids, um, it was way easier to travel. Um, and we went to Bolivia over Christmas. We were at an orphanage. It was one of the, the coolest experiences of, of our lives, God invited us to do that, and we got to do it. It was the worst trip I've ever been on in my entire life. It was so terrible. It was like a 17-hour trip altogether from Toronto down to Bolivia. In Bogota, Colombia, I ate something that really upset me, and I didn't know this, but it, in Bogota, Colombia, each gate has its own kind of like security pass point, and uh, security point and you can't go out of it again and they don't have garbages in there so like when you're really sick you just kneel in the corner and you just be sick and then your wife just bails on you and goes boards the plane while you're in the corner just heaving it's a magical moment of time of year and so literally like it was the worst trip but I remember going there and thinking like I am going to give up my Christmas time to serve at an orphanage. Like what a pastoral thing to do. Wow, I felt really good about myself. And I went there and you know, I, we served. And can I tell you, what I expected to receive was way different than what I received. I remember Christmas day, they get two gifts. Two gifts, it's always a soccer jersey um, for all the boys and candy, that's it. That's what they get and so, we're there, we're like wrapping gifts. Now, obviously when you go to like a country that speaks Spanish, I don't speak Spanish, so it's really hard to communicate, but we're, we're giving out these gifts. They're so excited, it's Christmas season. There's, there's over 50 boys there. They're so pumped to have the tree up, the decorations, the Christmas dinner, the gifts. Everything's going great. And you hand out these gifts, they rip into the gifts, they're running around, having so much fun. And I remember this one boy, he comes up to me, and I'm, I'm like just asking what they got. And he, so he goes and he gets it. And then he comes to me with his candy and he gives me one of them. And I'm like, oh no, no, this is like so bad. Please don't give that to me. Like you, this is your Christmas gift. You get two of them. This is not right. And I remember he was like adamant about me receiving it. And I remember how, how deeply that impacted me. That this kid who had very little... 
Now, I grew up in a family that we got lots of gifts, like divorced family guilt gifts, <laughs> like a lot. And so in this moment, I can't even remember all those gifts, but I remember this kid giving me this little candy and how it impacted me, that it blew me away. I was actually in tears that this kid would give so much of himself. I thought, man, this is, this is the Christmas season. See, we, we actually, especially as Christians, we understand the story of Jesus, right? And every Christmas it comes and we think baby Jesus in a manger, so sweet. But man, is it so much better than we ever believed. Let's look, let's look at today's passage. We're gonna look at two. Andrew already read one. Isaiah 7 will be there. And we're gonna be at Matthew um, 1. And quickly, we're going to look at Matthew 1, 23. If you have your physical Bible, get ready for a marathon. We're going to jump all over the place um, because Jesus is everywhere in the Word of God. Um, so we're going to just follow him. Cool? So verse 23, it says this. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, God with us, that translation says God is with us, but actually it's translated God with us. Now that is something that we know as church people. It's something that we say all the time, Emmanuel, God with us. But let's be honest, how many of us really know what it means? Or not even just understand, like we, we often come to church for information, but but the word of God is not for information. It is very much for transformation. Jesus is drawing us into likeness of himself, not just knowing more about him. And don't get caught up in just thinking just because we read more or we get more information, we're growing. It's actually us turning and allowing ourselves to submit and, and surrender to the Holy Spirit that we turn and become more like Christ. And so what we're saying is, Emmanuel, God with us, what does that mean? And I want to propose this. Oh, it means so much more than we actually understand. And it will transform our life way more than we allow it to. So let's go ahead and jump into the full passage that we're going to go ahead and look at. So we're going to look at Isaiah 7. Turn with me to Isaiah 7. 10 through 14. So here's what I want to do. I just simply want to do this. I want to break down what Emmanuel means. It means God with us. Since I'm super trendy and I'm on Twitter and Instagram all the time, it's God period, with period, us period, right? Is that good, Victoria? You like that one? Yeah, she gave me a thumbs up. Super cool. All right. And so what I want us to look at is what did he mean by God with us? Like, let's dive into actually understanding it, not just taking it as a cliche, making a nice painting of it and putting it in our kitchens, but actually let it penetrate our heart and our soul and transform us, allowing us to know that God is with us. So again, Andrew read this, he said that what's happening is King Ahaz 
he is confronted with two distinct armies who are influencing him to make a choice. The Assyrians, who are the largest army of the ancient world. They're terrifying, everybody's afraid of them. And then they have the Syrians and the northern kingdom, Israel, their brothers, wanting them to be in alliance, and he's going, uh, no, you guys are weak, and we will get murdered, so I'm not gonna join you to be against them. But now they're actually more mad at him than the Assyrians, and they want to kill him and put in a puppet king. So he's like, great, this is awesome. This is a good moment for me. I like, I like this moment. And so here's what, here's what um, he actually says. It says this. Later, the Lord sent this message to Ahaz. Ask the Lord, your God. Now this message is from God. This is a great message. If you're ever sleeping and you get a dream and an angel of the Lord comes to you and he gives you this, this is a very good message. He says, ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation, Ahaz. Make it as difficult as you want, as high as the heavens, as deep as the place of death. But the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. Now, doesn't that sound like a really good spiritual answer? The Bible says, do not test the Lord. But the Lord just asked him to get a confirmation, not test him. And so he sounds spiritual, but he's hiding behind religion because he has a plan. See, he's missing. He does not actually want to engage with the living God. He's afraid of what will happen from it because he has a plan. <laughs> Have we ever been there? Have we ever been to a place where, you know, we're afraid to actually invite God into what we're doing because we're actually afraid of what he might say. So this is what happen, is happening to Ahaz. And, and he says, no, I refuse. I, I, I don't want to test the Lord. Then Isaiah said. Now, the biggest issue for Ahaz was this. If you destroy me, I'm afraid of what my name will be. For them, it wasn't just their kingdom. It was the name that they were going to carry on. And remember, he's in the descendants of David. So his life matters. And he's saying, there's going to be a Messiah one day, and you need me. But he's afraid of what will happen if he dies. Then Isaiah said, listen well. You royal family, you royal family of David, it isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my, of my God as well? All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, here's how you are going to know that your line is going to continue because I've, the virgin will conceive. She will give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel. Now, in this translation, it says, which means, but that's not actually in the original. We added it to help us understand. But it's very significant that we know that actually it's not there. Because again, Jesus is going to blow the expectations of what humans are thinking is going to happen. Now, the Old Testament is full of prophecies of the Messiah who is about to come. And all of them 
are about this Messiah who will transform and take the throne of David and bring up Israel from the ground where they were. But what they're looking for is a human. See, what Matthew wants us to know, so let's go to Matthew now. Flip with me to Matthew. It's so important to know that he actually doesn't use God with us. He's actually saying there's going to be a Messiah who's going to come and it's going to be from a virgin. We don't know what that means or how that's going to happen, but God said it, so it's going to happen. We'll leave it at that right now. That's all they know. Matthew is writing this. Jesus has now gone, ascended to heaven. He's sitting on the throne. Remember, Matthew is the tax collector who was called by Jesus. He's writing this now around 40 to 60 A.D., and he wants to, everyone to know who Jesus is. And his main audience are Jews. And he wants them to know that Jesus is God. And so he says this. This is how he begins. After the ancestry of Jesus, he says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, we use the word engagement, but it's a betrothal. It's much more legal and binding than it is, hey, here's a ring. I like you. It's, it's like a legal document, and to, to actually break up, you have to go through legal breaking a divorce of what will happen because it's already happened. It's a betrothal. It's a commitment. You are one, in essence, although you have not sexually been with each other. Verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David. I don't know why I dropped my voice there because I feel like that's what the angel said. Joseph. <laughs> the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you will name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Now this is the prophet, Isaiah, which we just read. He says it for verbatim. He's writing it out. He wants you to know this is the exact prophecy. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And then he adds something that isn't there in the original prophecy, which means God with us. He is very clear. This is not a normal birth. This isn't human coming together and having a child. This is divine meeting human and it being a supernatural birth. Why is this important? Well, here's why it's important. The virgin birth is incredibly important to the Christian faith. There's been pushback in the last three or four decades or more that, that has said, you know, 
it's not scientific that that's actually even possible. Yeah, that's why Joseph's freaking out. <laughs> he doesn't quite have our modern science, but he figured out, hey, wait a second, you shouldn't be pregnant because we haven't been together. It's absolutely supernatural. The virgin birth is critical to the Christian faith because it shows us that Jesus is divine, but he is also human. See, it shows us that he's divine because it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him. Um, look with me at Luke 1, 35. Not just Matthew is clear that, that the birth was a supernatural act by God himself. Luke says it. It says, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. That word there is distinct. It's a mark. And he will be called the son of God. Look at John 1, 1 and 14. So John 1, 1, lower down 14. John says it a little bit different way. He gives us a little bit of a different picture. He says it this way, in the beginning, the word already existed. Now the word is Jesus. The word was with God and the word was God. And verse 14 says, and so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and he was seen and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Matthew wanted to make a very distinct point that this baby was not just another miracle, which all babies are, but it was a supernatural act. And this is God coming to earth. See, when he says Emmanuel, he's saying, listen, this baby lying in a manger is God himself. We'd be like, well, that's nice. You know, you're, you're, he wrote it, you know, 40, 50, 60 years past Jesus. Maybe he just like made this up. Some people say that Jesus never even actually said that he was divine or God himself. So maybe, maybe this is just his followers making up. You know, there are crazy people out there making up crazy claims. Um, and so Matthew is very clear that Jesus did Think of himself as God. And so flip with me quickly to Matthew 26, 62 through 64. Now, Matthew loves this term. So when you're reading Matthew, you'll notice, highlight every time that Matthew writes son of man. He uses it more than all the other gospels. And he is pointing at something. He's making sure that all, now remember, he's writing to Jewish people. Jewish people, the son of man is a distinct thing. It's, it can be used as a term as anyone, like Adam is a human. It's the son of Adam is the son of man. But it is used in a distinct way in a prophecy. 
And here, here what happens. Jesus is now, we flash forward. Jesus is before the council. He has been pulled in there. They're about to take him to the cross. And they, they say this to him. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus replied, you have said it. Now, when I originally read this, I always thought that's what got him in trouble. It was like, yeah, you said it. And they're like, Shh. And then they got mad at him. But it's actually this part. And in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated on, in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, to, I don't know. To you and me, like, I read that a bunch of times and I'm like, cool, man. That's like, statement. But I didn't really get it until I looked into it. And it's actually the prophecy of Daniel. So you've got to flip with me now to Daniel 7. I told you, it's back and forth, Old Testament. Jesus is all over the Old Testament and he's in the New Testament. He's everything we need and he's all over the place. So let's just go find him. Daniel 7, verse 13 through 14. Now Daniel's having this vision of heaven. He says, in this vision, I'm just going to bring us up. He talks about the ancient one the ancient of days, who's sitting on his throne. And then he talks about all these majestic beings. He can't quite describe them. And then he says, as my vision continued that night, I saw someone like the son of man. Hear the term? Someone like the son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that the people of every race, nation, and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It, it will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Oh. Matthew is, is bringing you into something. It's not, so you said that I am, so that now, we're, now we're in a fight over words. No, no, no. Jesus stands up and says, he almost quotes it verbatim. And all of these Pharisees in this court are the highest authority. They have memorized these prophecies of the, of the Messiah to come. When he says that, he is claiming, I am this son of man who is walking into the presence of God and taking the authority that God is giving me and ruling. This is who I am. And it's that point that they tear their clothes and they say, this cannot be. He has claimed himself to be equal to God. We must kill him. Oh, this is good news though, because Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He's not just another miracle baby, which is great, and we love our babies. But Jesus is distinct. He is God with us. So the next word, with. Deuteronomy 3, 31, 6 says this. So be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. And do not panic before them. 
For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Maybe you remember it as, he will never leave you nor forsake you. That is such a, a heartwarming thing to say. Right, like, like haven't you ever texted that to somebody or said it over yourself when you're going through a situation? But, but again, those are the hard things for us to really hold on to in those moments. But, but here's the great thing about this baby in a manger. He is God with. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a situation? And I mean a situation of pain and loss. Something came into your life and it, it wounded you so deeply. You're sitting in it and you are alone. And have you ever been able to use that moment to just sit with somebody who experienced the same thing? Or maybe for you, you were in that moment where you were in despair and broken and felt alone and there was someone who just walked in, didn't fix it, didn't solve it, but just sat with you. And maybe just sat and cried with you because they felt your pain. Oh, God with. This is the beauty of God being divine, but this, this, this supernatural, where he is divine, but he is also fully human. See, he came to earth. It wasn't like the Avengers where, where Thanos, Thanos, thank you. Thanos shows up and he's just like, here I am, make it happen. I'm gonna do whatever I want to. No, he comes. He comes as this baby. And he comes in human form. So often we sing songs about how Jesus never cried, how he, you know, how it was just a perfect birth. I'm pretty sure it was normal. I can't say for sure, but since they had to walk, and, you know, Jesus didn't just fly them over to, to, from where they were in Nazareth all the way to where they had to have the birth, which, by the way, was 60 miles. She walked. So if, you know, you have to walk that far, most likely she's going to have a normal birth. And then here's, here's some things that are crazy for us to actually say. I wrote it down. And I was like, I can't say this. But we need to understand that Jesus was human. He was fully human, fully God. Jesus needed diapers. He had to learn to walk. He had to learn to be toilet trained. He had to learn how to talk. Right, like we like to, like Jesus was like God all the time. And like when they decided on teams, they were like, I want Jesus because when he plays goalie, he scores somehow. I'm not, I don't know. It just happens. He's like, saves it and boom, it's in the net. That's not, Remember, when Jesus comes back to his hometown and says, here's who I am, they were like, what, you? I know you, no way. You're not, you're not the son of man. You're not divine. You're not the Messiah. Ha, ah, how beautiful is it that he is with. Look, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've seen or what you felt this year, but what happens is that Jesus comes to earth and he makes a statement in that moment. He doesn't just send help. Remember, the Messiah was supposed to be a symbol. 
a symbol, Emmanuel. Now, you might say, hey, wait a second, Emmanuel is Hebrew, and so they would have known right when they said Emmanuel that it meant God with us. That's the meaning of it. Yes, they, they would have. But for them, what it meant was a symbol. It meant the symbol of God was with us. Remember, they, the, the Israelites grew in this idea of the fact that they were always, God was with them through symbols, right? The Ark of the Covenant, the temple, the tabernacle, the cloud. It was this idea that God is with us, but it's a symbol. But this baby that shows up, he's like, listen, you have expectations that I'm gonna help you, but I'm gonna blow those expectations because I'm going to come with you. I think we need to hear this, that Jesus absolutely is God, but he is the one who kneels down, he walks to where we are, and he says, I'm with you. Hebrews tells us that he actually knows what we're going through because he has felt our weakness. No other God can say that. Uh, other God could say, I have compassion for you, weakling, because you're a baby and you're frail and weak. But what he can say is, I've come to earth and I've, I've faced the challenges you've had. I've overcome them. And now I'm empowering you to live a different way. This is our Jesus. This is the baby that sits in the manger. I love it. Jesus shows us this example in, in John 11 when he comes and he meets Mary and Martha, who have just lost Lazarus. And he knows that he's going to raise him from the dead. But it's awesome. It says that he had deep sadness for what they felt. And then it says, the shortest verse in the Bible, if you're ever looking for an easy Bible to remember, Jesus wept. Why does he weep? Have you ever been with your kids and they, they're upset about something and you're like, seriously, it's easy to fix, relax. No, just me? Okay, cool. I'm a good dad, trust me. Um, right, but that's, that's what Jesus could have done because he's like, oh, you guys are so emotional. <laughs> Lazarus, come on. See, I told you, relax, trust me. Right, like that's what I would have done, but no, that's not what he does. He actually meets them where they're at and he weeps with them. Emmanuel meets you where you're at. Where are you at this year? What are you hiding? Is it pain? Is it sin? I tell you what, Emmanuel knows. We don't hide those things from him. But here's the, here's the best part about the whole thing. It's not that he just knows and is like, ugh, I know your stuff. Why are you here today? No, no, no. He says this, God with us. Do you realize the Old Testament was always God with them? Israel, all of us, well, not all of us, I don't know if you're, sorry, I'm generalizing. Most of us are Gentiles, we're not Jewish, we're on the outside. It's not God with us, it's God with them. Those are the chosen people, we are the rejected people. Sweet, I like that, thank you for that. No, 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 Jesus is the sign. This is the sign that says this, that we are actually now, it is us, God with us. We can now proclaim it. What, the, what was said over Israel is now said over us. This baby has changed everything. 
It literally is sitting in a manger and it says, I am Emmanuel. I have come. I am God. And now I am with and us, not just Israel. Now for us, it's, we're like, we've grown up in this. But for that time, it absolutely changed everything. Ephesians says it like this. Paul's writing to the Ephesians. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens. Now that does not mean much to us, but that was an incredible insult. It was distance from God. The Israelites near to God, all the rest far from God, not chosen, not marked, rejected, alone. Have you ever been in those moments where you're not good enough? where you don't have the answer, where fear is knocking at your door and you are the only one that's supposed to answer but you don't wanna answer because you have no answers because you are at your wit's end. Well, guess what? You're an outsider so you can't go to God, you're alone, but now because of this baby who comes in a manger, we are now God with us. This is good news. This is good news because we are no longer left alone. When you don't know what to do with your mortgage, you have a provider, Emmanuel, who is God with us. He's there with you. When you're broken and you're alone and someone has left you and abandoned you, rejected you, you're not alone. Jesus remembers, he knows what it is to feel that rejection and he sits with you. This is the baby sitting in the manger. He is God with us. He understands. He he provides for us and he is so good. He is Emmanuel, God with us. If you need something, he's there for you. If you're alone, he's there for you. All we have to do is say his name, Jesus, and he's there. Amen, church. This is good news. It's so interesting. This word us could actually be translated I. And so what you could do is say, God with I, but that sounds weird in English, not in Hebrew, but in English we could say, God with you. How good is that? As you go a home this season, you may have tragedy in your home, you may be alone, but the promise of Jesus is that he's Emmanuel. You are not alone. He will never leave you nor abandon you. He won't just send a symbol in your life. He is Emmanuel, God with you. He writes this, Paul writes this, and I'll close in Romans 8, 38 to 39. And I think it depicts it perfectly. This is what Jesus is to us. Emmanuel. And I am convinced that nothing can can ever separate us from God's love. This baby in the manger, he shows that. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears. Come on, that's a good one because we've got them, right? For today or our worries. Oh, how many worries we have for tomorrow. But even our deepest worries about tomorrow it says, not even the powers of hell 
They tried. They stole the key of life from us. They stole it. And Jesus came, God with us, to solve the problem. He went to the cross to solve our sin problem and give us a relationship back with God. No power in sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed. Can I interject? In baby Jesus. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus is Emmanuel. He came from heaven. He is God coming to earth to be with us us. This is good news. This is the greatest news. When we celebrate Christmas, it's not just gifts under the tree. It's not just great songs. It's not, it is actually celebrating that Emmanuel has come and he is with us and he is with you. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.